The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to Overland Park Community Church, and that's right, we have a celebration planned here in the next few weeks. It was a lot of fun last year. We're looking forward to it this year, and um, as a kind of a special part of the, um, the party that day, we're going to have a baptism service out in the open water. So we got a couple of people that are going to get baptized. Maybe you are a candidate for baptism and you've got some questions about that. We'd love for you to participate in that as we're celebrating what the Lord has done. We're hanging out, playing games and stuff. We're just going to baptize a couple of people who have decided to give their lives to, to the Lord. And we encourage you to, to participate in that. And I want to give you just a quick update about this project that has been going on downstairs. Um, we have arrived to the point of... Uh, I was able to make a punch list. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Like the end is in sight. And so uh, I had this idea that, like, raise your hand if you got a smartphone or a phone. All right, right, get that thing out right now. Just get it out. You can follow along in you version if you want, if you have the Bible app. But if you're here and, like, you can come up today at, at, like, 3 o'clock, text me or email me right now. And we're just going to come up here for a few hours and just hammer down some things. And that, like, if you're not available, no big deal. You, you can email me, jimmy at overlandpark.cc, or you can text me at 405-590-8894. I love you if you text me. No, that's not part of the number, but I will love you if you text me. And so anyway, if you could come up for a couple hours, it's just, it's amazing to me when you're doing a project like this, you get four or five people there as opposed to one or two work just, man, it just goes at a much faster pace. And so I'll have things staged where we can, you know, we can knock a a lot of things out if you're available to do that. I would appreciate it, but that's not what I'm going to spend all my time talking about today. I want to talk to you about, um, sometimes we face these experiences where you, you're terrified. <laughs> like you have a challenge ahead of you and you don't know if you can do this. And you feel as though the Lord may have asked you to do something, something's been put on your heart and it's out in front of you and you're going, man, I just don't know if I have what it takes to accomplish this. Or maybe you're waiting on something you think is never going to happen. And the Lord just has you in this place of patience, and you're just waiting. Or, or maybe you're just frustra- frustrated over experiences and circumstances that you have no control over. And so I face these feelings all the time. I've been following the Lord and doing ministry since I was about 22 years of age. And the longer I follow him, like things, things have happened where um, it, gets, it gets easier to be calm and cool in the midst of it, but it's always terrifying. It's always like there's always a little bit of a nerve-wracking experience to step into and and face your fears. Even um, today in my life, like as I'm walking through leading this church and trying to lead a a group of people to be all that the Lord wants them to be right here in in Johnson County, um, like there's a lot of experiences that I face that they just terrify me. Um, And I I, I come up against them. I'm like, man, I, I don't know if I can do this. And so I find that um, in these moments, the Lord often gives me a word of encouragement, and there are different passages of Scripture that I'll come across that just, man, God will just use that to help me get the movement that I need when I might have found myself hitting high center, and I'm just not moving forward like I'd like to move forward. And so I, 
I find this um, passage in 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 16 incredibly encouraging. And so a couple of weeks ago, we looked at David and we saw how, man, he just fell flat on his face. He, had, um, he committed adultery. He tried to hide it. He was living a life of secrecy and sin. And so, man, it's just a dark day, a day in David's life that, like, the Lord recorded for us. And we read about it, we preach about it, and like I told y'all that week, I am glad the Lord is not writing the Bible anymore, so none of my stories get in there as sermon material, right? And so that was just a dark day in David's life. Well, there was a lot of bright days. Like, David was a man um, that loved the Lord. And so today, we're going to look at this um, passage of Scripture, this story, where he was basically set aside and anointed in this secret, private, intimate uh, meeting that he had with, with a prophet that, to where the Lord was just acknowledging that he was going to be the guy, that, that God was going to use him in an amazing way, and David was going to be this man. And so it's important for us, before we get into the text, to understand the context of what is happening here. Because we're really looking at not so much about David today, we're going to look at a little bit about the promises that happened in this story for David, but more so this story is about Samuel. And so you got to understand who Samuel was. Samuel was, was a very important figure in biblical history. Samuel comes as the last judge. Now, who are the judges? Well, after God leads the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt, and they become a nation, and he's got them wandering around in the wilderness, then through Joshua, they enter the promised land. They're kind of going through these battles with all these other nations, and God raises up judges. And so you have all these different judges. You have female judges. Deborah was a great judge. You have Samson, the story of Samson, this incredibly strong man that God raised up as a judge. And you go through, and there's just judge after judge after judge. It's a very fascinating read, and you'll find that the people of Israel, they go through these experiences, that their hearts are totally for the Lord, and then they rebel, and, and like bad things happen, and then God raises up a judge and helps them to turn back around and get refocused on the Lord. So Samuel is the last judge. And so Samuel serves as a judge, a priest, and a prophet. Samuel is not only the last judge, he's the first prophet in a series of prophets. It's a transitory period where they're transitioning um, from the time of the judges to the time of the kings. And so Samuel is used as the prophet of God that now we're coming under the age of, uh, of the prophet and the king and these two offices and the priest then, then Samuel is used to move from the judges to the time of the prophets of the kings. And so God uses Samuel to raise up the first king because the people started crying out to the Lord and they said, we want a king. And God had been serving as their king, but they cried out and they wanted a king. And so Samuel is used to set aside the first king and God speaks to the people through the prophet. And so we look at that today and we go, well, who are the prophets of today? Well, we don't have the same kind of prophets. Why don't we have the same kind of prophets? Because the word of Scripture has been completed. We have the Bible. And so in one sense, I sort of serve like a prophet, but I don't foretell the future. 
And that's what's different about the prophet, is the prophet had the hand of God on his life. He could do the miracle, miraculous stuff that would authenticate the things that he said, and then whatever he spoke about that was coming in the future would actually come to place, and it was a test of prophecy. And so the way that a modern-day preacher serves as a prophet is they, fo- they don't foretell, they foretell what has already been told to us in Scripture. And so they, they teach and they uh, proclaim the word of God that has already been given. And so you have the word. And so now the prophet of God, not, he helps you to understand the word, but the word speaks to you directly through the power of the Holy Spirit that was not given to every believer during this dispensation that we're looking at today. So it was necessary to have a prophet. And a prophet would help them understand what God's will was for them. The, the scripture itself was being written. Now we live under the age of grace and under the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of us as believers. And we have the Bible and we read the Bible and God speaks to us through the Bible. So we have the, even each one of us serves as sort of the office of the prophet of our own lives with the word of God and the prophet of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And so now Samuel is serving in this capacity, pre-Holy Spirit living in the lives of the believers. Now, the Holy Spirit existed. The Holy Spirit did special works, but he would come upon people for special purposes like Moses, like Joshua, like David. And, and, but he wasn't like it, he didn't indwell people like the day of Pentecost after Jesus rose from the dead. And so he didn't indwell every single believer, and he was just present in the world, but he didn't indwell like he does today. Now, Samuel's job, again, was to set aside the first king, and God would reveal that to him. And so there's a guy by the name of Saul who serves as the first king of Israel. And Samuel um, interacts with Saul and publicly anoints him as the first king, and God chooses him as the first king. And they're living in this, this pagan um, environment. I mean, I'm talking about there were ungodly evil things happening. And so sometimes you'll see in the scripture where God says to a king to eradicate a people, and you're like, what? Why, was God, why is God saying that? Man, these, there were people who were sacrificing their children um, to, to the gods, and it was just a, it was an evil climate. And so sometimes it, it had to be dealt with, and it had to be judged. And so on one particular case, God told um, through the prophet Samuel, he told King Saul that he was to go and destroy this king. And the king's name was Agag, A-G-A-G. And so he was to go and destroy this guy. He was to destroy the city, destroy the people, destroy. It was so evil that the instructions from the Lord were to destroy everything, level it. No, no animals left, no people left. It was, it was that far gone, and that was the command of the Lord. And so he receives this instruction, he goes in, and he, he attacks, and he overtakes the city, and he overtakes the king. But rather than obeying the voice of the Lord and doing what God told him to do, he captured the king. He chose the chief and best of all the animals and all of the material goods. Anything that they thought was, they looked at and they analyzed and they saw as evil for themselves, they destroyed, but then they looked at some things and they kept them as the plunder. And that wasn't the instruction of the Lord. And so Samuel confronts this first king, Saul, and he says to him, hey, why didn't you listen? So God tells him to go and confront Saul. So the prophet goes to the king and says, why didn't you listen and obey the voice of the Lord? He said, I did listen and obey the voice of the Lord. I think at this point it'd be helpful for us to read um, in chapter 15, just so we get this, so you see 
um, what the Lord is saying. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15, beginning in verse, um, let's just start in verse 17. He says, Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission. And he's saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? And so here's Saul's response. But I did obey the Lord. Saul said, I, I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God, Gilgal. Here's just some of the, this is going to be, I'm going to toss this one out there for free, okay? This is not part of the message. Here is a guy classically redefining what he thinks is okay in the eyes of the Lord. And it becomes man-centered religion. He does does part of what God said, and he thinks that's okay. God told him to do it all, and so he says, I did do this. I just brought some other stuff back to sacrifice to the Lord. And he's trying to redefine what the word was spoken to him through the prophet. And so Samuel responds to him in verse 22, and he says, Does the Lord delight in bird offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? This is very important for us. What does the Lord delight in? Not church attendance, not our giving. Like those are all important. All right. Not our faithfulness. He delights in us obeying what the voice of the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. And so it's very important as we think about what it means to be a part of the, the church today is that the most important thing is that we're obeying the word of God. And when we start redefining the word of God and say, well, it's okay as long as we do so much. I mean, we're right in the same place as King Saul and it will never work. And so this is how Samuel responds to him. He says, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. And he goes on to say, for rebellion, okay, so this is what sin is. Like I'm always talking to you guys about sin. What is sin? Sin is rebelling against what God asks us to do. If God asks you through the power of the Holy Spirit to go and minister to a family, and he says, he says listen, I want you to go and, and help this family in your neighborhood, what, whoever they are, and I want you to just to go and minister to them, give them a card, uh, make dinner for them, and you don't do it, and the voice of the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit is telling you to do it, and you don't do it, you're rebelling against the voice of God, and so that is sin. And, and so the, the enemy has tricked us and taught us to believe that sin is doing what is socially unacceptable. That is ridiculous. Like sin is not listening to God. And it will include some things that are, are socially unacceptable. But, and, and, and so God is not saying don't offer sacrifices. Don't, don't do the things that we see that are healthy, like be a part of a local church and serve and give and all of those things. He's not saying don't do those things. He's saying there's an order. The, th- the most important thing is listen to the voice of God. If you're listening to the voice of God, you'll do all those things and what God is asking you to do individually. So he says, for rebellion is like the sin of divination. Like, come on, man. Whoa. Like rebellion It's like the sin of divination and arrogance, like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Bam. Wow. Saw, you better quit jacking around with the word of the Lord, man. 
That's what Samuel said to him. And he basically says, because you have done this, the kingdom is going to be stripped away from you. Your heirs will not serve as kings any longer. You have been rejected as the first king of Israel because you are not setting the example that the people need, need to have. And so the, the kingdom is torn away from him and, 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 and he leaves. And so that, uh, the, here's where we get to the, our part of the, the scripture today that we're really gonna dive into. Is that Samuel never sees Saul again. He, he goes back to town with him just, to, just on this journey back to town, and then after that, they have no other interactions. And so Samuel's in this place where he's been used of God as the last judge and the first prophet to raise up the first king, and the first king blew it. So guess who feels really bad about themselves? Samuel, who publicly anointed the first king, he feels somewhat responsible for the failure of the first king. He also feels threatened by him because now he, he's just spoken into the person who leads the monarchy and has the authority of the, the army and everything else and can tell them what to do and they, they're going to do it. And so now he is opposed to the direction of Saul and Saul ends up beginning to lose his mind. And if you study the book of Samuel, you'll see he, he starts trying to kill David. He just, he just totally loses it. He totally flips out. And so here's Samuel, like trying to make sense of his life. Here's Samuel having gone through this experience where he was on top of the world, now he's at the bottom. And so now he's looking at his life, he's down. And so if you ever had an experience where you feel like um, you're discouraged or you're down, and we, you, you look at this story and you see that God speaks to us how we are to react. Maybe you're facing something that just seems so overwhelming and you're going, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I can do this. You'll see that Samuel deals with terror. He deals with fear. He's, he's nervous about his life. But we see in what God asks him to do, we see several things that I'm going to give you by way of application. Now, you, you look in there at your folder, and he's like, whoa, man, there's a bunch of stuff here, and he hadn't even got to the scripture yet. <laughs> uh, don't worry. Like, I, I'm going to go through this quick, and I'm going to just rapid fire you and and and. I, I realize that your mind can only uh, absorb what your butt can endure. So, okay, I'm going to get you there. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. So here we are in this, in this era. And Samuel, as you see him, he's down. He's depressed. He's sitting there and he's like, man, my life stinks. And he's hurt. He's grieving. And the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. There's the mission. Here's the mission, Samuel. You're going to Bethlehem. I've got a new king that I want anointed. But Samuel said, how can I, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and he will kill me. My life is on the line here, Lord. And the Lord said, you take a heifer with you and you say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. If you're taking notes, underline that. I will show you what to do. You take a heifer and I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. 
And so Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. And they asked, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel Samuel saw Eliab. And he thought, surely, surely, the Lord's anointed stands before me. See, Eliab was a tall dude, and, and when he saw him, he thought, this is the next king. And so he says, surely the anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. Like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And so he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? He said, well, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending to the sheep. And Samuel said, sin for him. Again, this is so important, man. We see that he's out. He's not even invited to the party, but Samuel sends for him. So Samuel says, sin for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and he had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And then Samuel went to Ramah. And we look at this, man. We go, okay, here's a guy who's in this discouraging place. Here's a guy who's asked to do something that just scares him to death. And we see several things that happen in the passage that I think will help you and I as this week we go live our lives and the Lord asks us to do some terrifying things, some things that are overwhelming. He asks us to do something at work that's overwhelming. He asks us to do something in our neighborhood that's overwhelming. He asks us to do something in our church that's overwhelming. He asks us to do something in our marriage that's overwhelming. This thing's about to fall apart and and maybe it feels overwhelming for you to take the first step and say, you know what, we need to get some counseling. And it feels overwhelming and you're terrified. What do you do? What do you do? In situations like that, well, here are several things that I see. First of all, there is a time to move on. Look at verse um, one. He says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn and be on your way. Listen, when you get into a time where you feel down, it is normal for you to be down. It is normal for you to lick your wounds. It is normal for you to feel like, man, I am just down. It is abnormal for you to stay there. There is a time that the Lord is going to speak to you, and he's going to say, it is time to move on. And it is not time to go and just figure out what's wrong with you and how you're falling apart. It's time to get up and move forward. That's what the Lord is saying to us. Like, just get up and start moving. You've been sitting too long, Samuel. How long are you going to mourn? It is time for you to get up, fill your horn. I've got work for you to do. And the Lord says that to all of us. When we get stuck in high center and we're not moving, the Lord will just speak from the throne room through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he will say to us, it is time to move on. And so that's the first thing that we learn. Here's the second thing. Moving on 
is always scary. When the Lord asks us to move on, it is a terrifying experience. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. If I go out to anoint another guy as king that's going to take Saul's place, he's going to kill me, Lord. And so he's terrified. So the Lord will put you in positions, if you are following him, he will put you in positions that terrify you. If you are not in positions that are causing you some fear, you are not listening to the Lord. Like 20, I've got 20-something years behind me, and I know that the more that I keep myself in a position of fear of what's out ahead of me, not fear that, that like I think something's going to happen to me, just fear in a place where I know I'm taking risks for the Lord. Risk always brings about fear, and I'm listening to the Lord, then I know I'm not, I'm not listening. But when I'm listening, I, I find that I've always got this little bit of uncertainty. And what does that uncertainty do for me? It forces me to go to the throne room and talk to the Lord about what I don't have the answers for. And so it keeps me in communion with the Lord. And so I think the Lord allows some of that uncertainty and some of that fear just to help us to stay in communion and fellowship with him. Because when we're doing that, life is so sweet and so incredible. And so moving on is always scary. When God asks you to do something and you start moving on, it's going to be a, scare, a terrifying experience for you. So, so what do you do? You overcome fear with sacrifice. Look at what he says in, in the um, second part of verse 2. Or I think it's verse 3. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Be prepared to sacrifice. Just go sacrifice. And so whenever you're dealing with fear and you're afraid of a situation, look for a way to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Look for something to offer to the Lord that costs you something. That's what a sacrifice is. Sacrifice something to the Lord and lay it out before him and say, Lord, I, I'm a terrified here, and so I, I, I just want to sacrifice something to you. I want to make an offering to you. I offer my life to you, and I want to offer this gift to you and whatever it may be. Maybe you go serve. Maybe you go minister to somebody. You get your eyes off of yourself, and you make a sacrifice as unto the Lord, and that will help you to deal with the fear that you are experiencing in the midst of the movement that you're you're trying to engage in. Here's the next thing. If you trust God, he will show you what to do. Like if you just trust him. Here's our problem as followers of Jesus. All of our prayer time, we won't move until we have all of the answers. And so we're just sitting there saying, God, I need this. I need that. I need you to show me this. I need you to show me that. I need you to do it. And God is like looking at us. He's like, I've already showed you what to do. You're not listening to me. Like, I'm not giving you any more intel until you take a step of obedience in what I've already asked you to do. There's some of you that need to take a step of obedience and baptism. And you're not getting any more intel because the Lord has already shown you, like, I, my, my mission is go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when people come into the kingdom, the first step is that they surrender their lives and they lay, lay their life down to the Lord on the altar and say, I'm dying to myself so that Christ can be in me. That's step number one. Step number two is I, I need to get baptized. And, and, and so that, that may be that, that God is showing you that's the next thing to do. Maybe it's serving and God is showing you that you need to serve. I, I don't know what it is, but, but when you um, want to when you begin to follow the Lord and you're trusting him, he's going to keep taking you in these places of, of being a little bit afraid. And then when you step into that fear and you continue to move, he's going to continue to show you what to do next. And so when you um, trust the Lord, he will show you what to do. And so sometimes we can get stuck because a little bit of fear keeps us from continuing to move and we need to just take that next step and then God will show us the next thing that we are to do. When you trust the Lord... This is really cool. P 
people can sense the power you possess. Look at this. Samuel did what the Lord said. Like he said, take the heifer, I'll show you what to do. So he took the heifer and he just went. He was terrified for his life. He was going on a mission. And so he takes the heifer, he's headed into town. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. Boom. This is God's man and they knew it. How did they know it? I don't know, but they, they knew something. And, and, and you can tell when a person is following the Lord, when a person sits with the Lord, when a person is in the word, when a person is being obedient to the Lord, you can look at their life and it is marked by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what's going on with Samuel's life and that's what should be going on in our lives. Is that we are so in tune with listening to the voice of the Lord and he's speaking to us that we're walking it out and he's showing us what to do that when we encounter other people, they go, man, there's something different about that guy right there. There's something different about that woman right there. Like the power of the Lord is upon them. Now, hopefully they don't, they don't tremble at our presence, but they see the power of God in our lives. Here's the next thing. With the Lord, what looks best isn't always best. Look at this, verse six. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. What does that tell us? Everything said to Samuel that this was the guy and it wasn't the guy because he, and, and he looked apart. And so I take great encouragement from that because the Lord is saying to us, our giftedness and our, our look and our talent and all that, that's not what's important. Like, as a matter of fact, the more you are in a position of not being able to do something the Lord has asked you to do, the greater advantage you have. Because the Lord delights to show up in weakness. So if you were in a position where you feel like you can't do this, you were in the perfect position for God to pour down the power in your life because he's the one that's going to get the glory and that's the way it works. But you ought to have to build a church. Like it's intimidating. You're gonna to talk to people about the one thing that they don't wanna talk about. You're gonna to try to get them to volunteer and serve and give you money at the church while they're serving. Like that's terrifying. How do you get people to do that? You believe that the voice of the Lord has called you to lead people on a journey of obedience with him. And so we have to realize that, man, these things are terrifying. But when you do it and then, then God just starts surrounding you with people and you see that people are coming and like they're, they're being obedient and freedom is breaking out in their life, you just like you get Sometimes you get in a corner and you just cry because you know this is beyond my ability. This is the hand of the Lord doing what he said he was going to do. And so that, that's the way we're supposed to be living. We're supposed to be living in such a way that the hand of the Lord is moving in our lives, not just in the professional minister's life, but everybody's life. And so the hand of the Lord wants to move in your life that way. And so when he looks at you and you feel like when you look at your life and you go, man, I, I can't do this. Like, I, I don't know how to do this. You're in the perfect position for God to equip you with the power that he needs. Here's the next thing. The Lord gets charged by a pure heart. And so, um, did I skip one? Am I I'm on track? I really knew I was. I just wanted to see if y'all were paying attention. So man, uh, uh, so the Lord gets uh, charged by a pure heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
So, so all the Lord is looking at, this kind of ties in with the last one. And, and, and this is really important because we spent, now, now watch how this works. You want to see if there are spiritual forces at work in our world? You just do a little research on how much money is spent on cosmetic surgery, gym memberships, special diets, everything that impacts everything we can see. God is not looking on the outside. He's looking on the inside. He's looking at our hearts and going, I'm looking for just all, I don't care what the person looks like. All I care about is their heart fully surrendered to me. And when he saw David, and he looked down like from his throne and he saw David that was out tending the sheep. He wasn't even invited to the party, man. He saw David and he said, that's the dude right there that I can do a mighty work in his life. I can use him to advance my mission in the world. Now, and here's the next one. And I love this one. If you follow the Lord's plan, he will not leave you out. So he asked Jesse when, when, when he uh, had brought all the sons. He said, are, all these, uh, are these all the sons you have? He said, no, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending the sheep. He's, he's doing his chores. He don't have time for this man stuff. Samuel said, you send for him. We won't sit down and eat until he gets here. And what that tells me is that if you're in a place of God's got you in a holding place of patience, if you are following his plan, he will not leave you out. Like, David wasn't even at the party. And God, like, he just kept waiting and kept waiting and kept waiting. And, and then he sent for him. He brought him to the party. And when he got there, we see the next thing that happens is the Spirit will supply all the power to do what the Lord asks of you. Look at this last section of Scripture. Then the Lord said, when David showed up, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of the oil and he anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Like the, like, so we see that God picks him and, and then he equips him and he supplies him with the power that he's going to need to accomplish the mission that he sent him on. And so like, the Lord is like looking down at us today. Here's a favorite part of my, my time to share with you. <laughs> like, I love you guys. I try, to, I try to tell you that as much as I can. I love you. I love the, your, your service. I love that what, what the Lord is doing in this fellowship. And special things are happening. Things that I've been praying about since I arrived in Overland Park. I see the hand of the Lord moving. And the Lord is looking down at you today. And he's saying to you, you are the one. You are the one. You can do this. You can do what I've asked you to do. And so he says, I have a, a mission for you. And the big idea of today's talk is if you listen and obey, when we listen and obey, the Lord has our back. Like, so what, like whatever he's asking you to do, then you know it. Like you're, there's, some, there's some heartstrings like tugging on you. And he's saying you're the one. Maybe you just continue to wait and, and, and hold in that pattern until he shows you because you're in a place of patience. Maybe you're in a place of where you're not going to get the next, um, you know, the next step that he wants you to, uh, to step into or, or, or the next 
set of instructions. Like he's not going to say, hey, this is what I want you to do next because you haven't done what he's already asked you to do. And so more information is not coming until you step into that. Now, we're not talking about your salvation. Salvation is you give your life willingly to the Lord. We're talking about your spiritual growth here, that once you give your life to the Lord, it's his journey, man. Like he just keeps taking it, like he just keeps shaping us and forming us, filing off rough edges, putting stuff in there in our character that we need to develop. And it's just a process, and we just keep looking more and more like Christ because Christ is being formed spiritually in us. And so you are the ones. It doesn't matter if you, you're in you know, school right now, and you're in middle school, high school, college, you're starting your career, or you are at the point of retirement. You are the one. Like, we are all priests of God when we meet Jesus. It's called the priesthood of the believer. And so he takes us through this process of sanctification, and we all are on mission to accomplish what he individually calls us to accomplish. And he sets before us, and it's scary. But when we move on it, then the power of the Lord starts working in our lives. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.